0: I I always end up kind of encouraging people, especially in this season, to the value of hope. But I'm going to talk about that today. My first point is this. uh, To have no expectation is not God's will for your life. You can't survive very long without oxygen. And your soul can't survive very long without hope. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, verse 12, hope deferred makes your heart sick. But when desire comes, it's the tree of life. So hope is the oxygen of the human soul. We suffocate without it. And so we, when we study uh, generations, we study demographically, our society we have for a long time. And, and America's had this great, this unusual cultural uh, heritage that every generation believes their life's going to be better than their parents and their grandparents until this generation. And this is the first generation in history since we've been doing this, studying it, that doesn't believe their lives will be better than their parents. First of all, let me just say that's a lie. That's a lie. But I can understand because they've been saturated with negative media. There's negativity in the culture, in the schools, in just every place. There's, ne- there's a negative kind of feeling. There's negativity everywhere except in the kingdom of God. And so I just want to declare to young people, man, you're going to go further and higher and farther. And the best is, don't let the devil steal your dream. Don't let people that have given up on their dreams stop you from dreaming. God can do amazing things through a life that trusts in him. There's also a great scripture in the book of Proverbs chapter 28, and it says this, where there is no vision, the people are destroyed. And it's talking about prophetic revelation, that there is a consequence for not having a guiding principle or a, a road map. You know, uh, where, there, where there are no blueprints, houses aren't built. Right. And so vision, hope is the blueprint of God's direction for our lives. And, and God, it's okay to be in a visionless season. It's not okay to have a visionless life. It's okay to go through a hopeless season. It's not okay to have a hopeless life, okay? So I, I, I know what I, I showed you, my family, I'll just give you the quick synopsis. Um, Mary and I have been married 44 years. I've been in ministry 45 years. Um, started when I was three, that's why I look so young. for it. And uh, I, don't, I don't look as young as my friend Keith Hudson though. He did. Every time I see him, he's looking younger. He's reversing the clock, but, um, and we we began our first church at um, in my hometown, my boyhood hometown of Scottsdale, Arizona, in 1985 when we were 27. And the Lord blessed it, um, in spite of my ignorance, in spite of my arrogance, in spite of all the things. Our worship leader was Israel Houghton. If you, if you know worship music, he was pretty uh, pretty popular. When six uh, Grammys, that kind of stuff, and. Um, Our church grew to several thousand people and we were building our first building. We had been renting for 10 years and in our 10th year we bought property and we're building a building, a 4,800 seat auditorium. And in August of 1995, our church treasurer embezzled $20 million, all of our funds. So 2,000 of us families kind of had our, 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 some savings or checking accounts in his savings and loan, his financial business. And when he went down, you know, there was calamity everywhere. Um, Ten front page stories, headlines of the paper, never a good picture of me. So he's like, ah, it looks like, and uh, really tying in this, he was a businessman, but he was really our kind of non-paid church treasurer. And uh, so our church uh, grew from 4,500 to 140 people on Sundays, just every week, people leaving. uh, Six lawsuits, two of them were class action lawsuits, which meant about 1,000 people had joined together to sue us. I had 15 attorneys concurrently all at the same time. And boy, was that exciting. I got me a free legal education. And uh, as kind of a result, we were homeless for 10 months. We lost our house. It was in the church's name, which was just a, you know a mistake I made. Um, and my son, my oldest son, uh, started doing drugs. Just, just a kid, he's 13 years old, but he's self-medicating and became an addict for eight years. And I became depressed for two and a half years, really clinically, suicidally, manically depressed. And I knew I was depressed because Pastor mentioned I was finishing my PhD in psychology. And so I, uh, I laid on my old couch and said, sir, you're very sick. And uh, it was like, every time I read a book, I think, oh great, I got that too, lovely, <laughs> lovely. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that's wonderful to know. And, and it's, I was 37 years old and thought my life was over. Because in our business, the worst thing you can have is a scandal. We had a massive public scandal. And uh, couldn't stop it. Just, just, it took a couple of years for things to kind of sort out. We, I won every lawsuit. They covered them. The front page, they covered the beginning of it. They didn't even cover when we, when we won them. That kind of stuff. But it, it, uh, all those things happened. And one day I was uh, driving my kids to school drive, after dropping them off at high school, my two oldest kids. And I felt the Lord say to me, would you like the pain that you have to go away? And I said, yes, Lord. I've made a list of some people. <laughs> if, you, if you would please kill all these people. <laughs> Old Testament style, New Testament style, your kingdom come, you will be done. I, uh, I leave that up to you. And what God said next to me um, delivered me probably from premature death, from divorce, from suicidal activity, from probably addictions. He said, Michael, if you will forgive the people that have hurt you, I will make you forget the pain they've caused you. And of course, forgiveness is such an important part of our Christian faith. In fact, that's how we get to heaven. We get forgiven. You know, it's a pretty good deal. He does all the forgiving. We do all the receiving. That's a great deal. And uh, so to fast forward it, you know, um, I did. So I started praying four times a day for the people. Uh, I made a list. I checked it twice. Everyone was naughty. No one was nice. Um, but I prayed, I prayed good prayers. I didn't pray for their teeth to fall out. And, uh, I, you know, like the book of Psalms. But uh, David prayed for his enemies. Kill them all. I, I prayed good prayers, and, you know, I felt no emotional connection to it. I'm just doing it by faith for seven or eight weeks, and then I'm praying one day, and all of heaven came into my car when I'm praying the same prayer. And when i pulled up in my driveway, I began to uncontrollably weep, and I, I, I didn't know what was happening, and I got in my driveway, and I sat there. What, what had just happened to me in that? And I did a quick inventory, and I realized all the pain was gone. The pain of betrayal, the pain of all, just one thing after another. My best friend took down 2,000 people. He was my associate pastor, two blocks away to start a new church. So that kind of stuff happened. Crazy stuff that was kind of hard to understand. And um, I felt an ocean. The the second part of it was almost as important. I felt an ocean of love for the people who broke my heart. Remember when Jesus said, love your enemies? Have, Have you ever really thought about that? I used to read it like, I can barely love my family. What's going on? I love my my enemies. That's kind of a tough assignment. But it's because it's not my love, it's his love. His love poured into my heart gives me the capacity to love beyond the limitations of my own abilities. And that's why love is the secret weapon of the church. Love is the atomic weapon. And love is the witness, Jesus said, if you love each other by this Everyone out there will know you're my disciples. This is my commandment, you love one another. So, Jesus healed me. And so, um, one of the things, one of the first things that happened when I kind of did a forensic of my own depression was I I realized I became depressed because I lost hope. And when hope leaves, depression comes. And we're just not made to live that way. We're not, no one is going to be healthy who's deprived of hope. So it's not God's will. Now we all go through seasons that are are pretty intense and discouraging. But God doesn't want you to have a hopeless life. Young or old, no matter what's happened to you. Second point is this. Sometimes people have hope, but not much of it. Low expectations. There's a show I used to watch when it was funny uh, called Saturday Night Night Life. And... um, they they used to they did a skit one time about marriage like a marriage or a dating club and it was called low expectations. <laughs> and sometimes we in the church are guilty of low expectations because oh yeah God's doing something but not much. So when we talk about like revival for Ventura County and and millions of people coming to Christ in California and and God doing th- we're like yeah. yeah, yeah. If, if, you got to live here. To th- so sometimes our expectations become minimal because we're discouraged or because there's been a delay or because of other reasons. But, but low expectations is a problem because it limits what God can do. A couple stories in the book of Mark. Mark gives the record of Christ in Nazareth. He's, he's, he's doing the same thing he did in other places. But the Bible says he couldn't do great things there. Because of their unbelief and doubt, and which was their low expectation. So, so, imagine God wanting you to do something great in your family or your life or, or, or this church or this region. So, we don't want to be a hindrance to what God can do because we weren't on the same page. There's a story in Second Kings, um, I think it's chapter 13. And in, in that chapter, it, um, the, the prophet's about to die. And uh, Prophet Elijah, and before he dies, he has one more prophetic act. But the king of Israel, and the prophetic act was he he called them in, and, he, and they did these things. They shot an arrow out an open window of deliverance, the and, and then um, Elijah said to the king, "Grab a handful of arrows." And so the king did, and, and then Elijah said prophetically, now speaking for God, "Strike the ground." And so the king did, out of kind of polite obedience, struck the ground three times. And this old man who's dying, he's in his last days, sits up, but he's angry. And he said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. But what happened, if you read on, Israel had lost six cities to the Syrians. And so they ended up only getting three of them back. And it wasn't because that was God's will. It was because God couldn't find a partner with the same expectation, the same faith, and the same, the same page that God was on. We don't want to get half restored. We don't want to have a half breakthrough. We don't want to have a half revival. We don't want to say, um, we, we, we don't want to say, well, this is good what we have. Man, um, this is a great church, a, a powerful, world-changing sh- church that has worldwide in- influence. But, we don't want to say to God, this is good enough. We want to say, God, we're hungry for more. More of your spirit. Like we sang, we want you. We want more of you. And we want to see, as a part of that becomes, we want to see lost people saved. So we want to see more people saved. We want to see more people trained. We want to see leaders develop. We want to see your kingdom come in every facet of society. So we don't want to have low expectations. And, and, and part of it is God, God wants to, um, your heart's like a, like a dream factory. God gave us imagination, creative function, cognitive abilities. And when they all flow together and they're working with God, amazing things happen. But sometimes our, the gears in our factory get broken. The, 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 there's a limited result. But you could always measure how you're doing internally by your dream life. You know your heart is healthy when it dreams again. So what is, when you're on the same page with God about the future. I was watching a, uh, I think ESPN a long time ago. With uh, my son Timothy. Who is, he and his wife live with Rosie and Romeo in Laguna Beach, California. And... Uh, um, he, he was about three years old. A commercial had come on, and so we're on the couch, and he's jumping around. He's always had high energy, he's jumping around the couch. And uh, a commercial came on for this tech school. And at the end of the commercial, the student looks up into the camera and said, My future's looking great. So my three year old son bounced across the couch, got right in my face, and said, Daddy, my future's looking great. <laughs> it struck me it so powerful. Because something inside of me as a father was so satisfied to hear my son say his future was great. Something in God's heart resonates when his people say, Daddy, my future is looking great. When we are, the Bible says, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think. Ephesians 3.20 that we want to be on the same page of, that God is. Amen? And so God helps us. Third point, great expectation. Great, it's not a dating club. It's not a hair club. It is the kingdom of God. It's God's will and God's calling for our life. I want to read a scripture um, in Acts chapter 3. This is the record of the first miracle of the church. And um, it's, it, there's so many rich things in this chapter. I want to talk about uh, one of them for sure. Verse one says this: Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, it'd be it'd be three p.m. Now there was a certain man lame from his father's his, me, his mother's womb, who was carried every day to the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of those who enter in. A couple points. When you have an issue long enough, people will define you by it. Oh, that sister, you know, broken heart, or, or that divorce or that bankruptcy or that life crisis or whatever it is. That, so that's just human nature. So we don't know the man's name. We only know his pain. So he, he, he was born broken. He was born unable to walk. And he, and, I, and I, I like him already because I like fighters. I like people that don't just give up. And he, he said to his family, I know I can't, you know, get a normal living, but carry me down to those church people because I hear, I hear the city church is generous and they take offerings for people in Hawaii and other places and maybe people will give me. So they laid him at the gate of the church, at the gate of the temple. And he's doing something. You know what God can bless? Something. You know what God can't bless? Nothing. So it's not not enough to be sitting at home and praying for God to bless you. Do something. Start a business. Do something that God can put his hands on and bless you. And... So he's sitting at a gate of the temple, which there are a couple gates into it, would be a courtyard into then the physical buildings, and the gate was called beautiful. In the Greek, it's the word horaos. Hora is the Greek word for hour. Horaos means the right hour, and the etymology of that word would be, when it's the right hour, it's beautiful. Remember that, that, famous, that famous scripture in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 3, that God makes everything beautiful in its time. And uh, As Peter Paul Mary said, to everything turn, 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 there is a. Google it, young people. So I just want to say this. When God says it's the right time, it's the right time, even when it feels like the wrong time. Okay? What if you're in the right time right now for a miracle, for something really good to happen? So he's at the gate of beautiful, the the right timing, the gate of something beautiful happening from God. And he saw, verse 3, Peter and John about to go to the temple. He asked them for an alms, a gift to the poor. And fixing his eyes with John, Peter said, look at us. So Peter said, look up here, young man, look up here. And the man gave his attention to them, expecting to receive something from them. So there's my whole message. Expectation is the birthing ground of the miraculous. Expectation is where miracles begin. Expectation draws heaven to earth. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro across the face of the whole earth. What's God looking for? Looking for those whose hearts are loyal or pure toward him. God's looking for a place to land. And nothing attracts him more than expectation, faith, hope, that, we, that we're believing, that we're drawing on God. And so this man was expecting, now he was expecting some money, he was expecting them to gift, them, gift him with money, but he was going to get something better than money. He would get a healing of his broken life. So he's expecting, so if I asked you, what are you expecting? It's important that you don't get stuck in survival mode for the rest of your life. I was talking with a pastor friend and he was in fact it was when I began as a young minister and he was he, heard, he was worried about me cuz I was preaching, you know, prosperity and healing. Um, you know um, not every Sunday but just if we believe Jesus heals, we believe God can bless you. It's, it's the Bible says so. <laughs> so he said he said, you know, we're just he said I'm he's an older pastor. He says, "What's kind of worried about you? Mike, what is worried about? You know, and then he said this, "I just want enough money and provision to take care of my family it sounded so pious I thought man that's that's cool and then the Holy Spirit just came upon me and I said I want enough money to to build 10,000 orphanages in Africa and a hundred hospitals if God gave me a billion dollars I could spend it in two weeks because the needs of this world are so great and whenever we stop and we're satisfied before God's done, we miss out on what God could have done. We miss out what he, he could do because we say, okay, this is this is enough. And so he's, he's expecting. What are you expecting? I'm expecting a move of God. I'm expecting the greatest season of this church, the greatest revival of Ventura County's ever seen. I'm expecting to see God. Your family... Healed and saved and delivered. My, my oldest son, uh, Matthew, was the boy I talked about when he was 13. Our family went through all these things. He started self-medicating, doing drugs, just marijuana. But then in, we lived in Scottsdale. He had wealthy uh, friends. And so they introduced him to cocaine, that, which I think that became his drug of choice. And so twice in his teenage years, we put him in rehab. He was a star athlete. Um, that's the reason why they wouldn't kick him out of school. But he was, that he, he, he added alcohol. So by the time he was 17, he's a full blown alcoholic drug addict. He moves out of the house. He goes to, he's running the streets. And, um, I, you know, almost every night I'd go into his old bedroom and just lay there and cry. And I said, Jesus, don't let Matthew die tonight. And when you have someone, it ended up being eight years. When you have someone like in a long-term struggle, it kind of, it wears your faith down. And everyone's, it's like a marathon. Everyone's start, but at at the end of it, you find out who has endurance and who doesn't. And uh, I was leaving his bedroom after praying one night because drug dealers would drive past our house with guns out the window. Just showing us that he didn't live with us. They were looking for him. The police many times knocked on our doors looking for him to arrest him. And I just prayed, Jesus, don't don't let him die tonight. So I'm coming out of his room, and and Jesus met me in the hallway. Watch out for the hallway. Okay? I get rebuked in the hallway all the time. And the Lord said to me, don't pray the problem, pray the promise over your son. And... I realized that I was using my prayer life to inform God like he didn't know. I don't know if you're paying attention, but I ain't got trouble here with this boy. And so I ran in and told my wife we have to change the way we pray for our son. And the Lord reminded me of all the prophetic words he had received since a boy, since the day he was born, actually. And so we started saying those things over our son, who God said he'd be, not who he was, not who they said he would be. So I prayed for eight years, nothing happened. Within eight weeks of changing our expectation about our son and changing our vocabulary to match it, he was playing university basketball at 20 years old. He wanted to date a cheerleader. And she was like Pastor Becky, a beautiful young cheerleader. And she was a devout Christian. She said, well, I'll, I'll, I'll only date you if you come to my church. He had been to the church for a few years. And so he comes to that church sitting in the back row. I'm not be letting anyone in the back row today. God bless all of you. <laughs> and uh, he's sitting in the back row. You know, I, I just, I, I could visualize the whole thing. His arms, you know, his head cocked, his arms. Mm. He can't wait for church to get over so he can go on a date with this girl. And there's a guest speaker who's a man of God. And he said, there's someone here who's running from God with a broken heart, fighting addiction, your family's been through trauma. And tonight, Jesus is going to heal you. The moment he said that word of knowledge, my son in the back row fell onto the pew, onto the aisle, shook for almost 45 minutes. When he got up, he was completely free from cocaine addiction and alcoholism. It's like that, like that. He moved back home. He, he moved back home. Uh, went to Bible college for a year. A uh, couple years. Went to Haiti for a year as a missionary. That's when you know you're saved. Um, and and uh, married the cheerleading coach uh, at uh, my son's uh, Christian school. And now he's the executive pastor of our church. Four kids and just a testimony. Now, I said all that to say that I had to change the way I thought about my son. So I would agree with God and I would change the way I spoke about my son. And when I agreed with God, when my expectation changed, miracles came. Some, sometimes long-term battles can create, like this man who never walked, yet he's still expecting. Long-term battles can sometimes cripple our hope, trust, or expectation. But God wants to renew your faith. Amen? A couple more verses, then we're, then we're done. He gave attention to the verse 5. Expecting to receive something. And Peter said, silver and gold have I none. I didn't ring my checkbook. But what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Then he took the man by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately the man's feet and ankle bones received strength. And the man leaping up stood and walked and entered the temple. Walking, leaping, and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God. They knew it was the man who sat begging by the beautiful gate, and they were filled with wonder and amazement. at what happened to him, one of those words is ecstasis, we get the word ecstasy, a displacement of the mind. People, we were made to see the supernatural. It lifts us to an elevated place mentally. Now, now here's, here's my point. The man got a miracle because he was expecting something. I just want to declare to you, this is your, I don't care how the first few months of this, this year is going to end better than it began for you. And God wants you to have an expectation that he's helping you, that he's healing you, that he's working in your behalf. And think about this, that this man did what he'd never done. He'd never walked, never leaped. And he went where he'd never been to the temple, people with physical Deformities or physical issues couldn't come into the temple by Mosaic law. This is your season to do what you've never done and go where you've never been. Two last scriptures. Romans 15, 13 says this. It's a great prayer from the apostle to the church and to us. He says, may the God of hope. Hope comes from God. The word hope, elpis, E-L-P-I-S, means a joyful expectation of good for the future. Hope comes from God. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. And may you abound in a hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants you to have so much hope you stand out. You stick out. It's not hard right now. In the kingdom of God, whoever has the most hope has the most influence. We, we carry influence by how we interpret the future. And, we're on, and when we're on God's page, wow, it's good stuff. No one votes for a politician who says, everything's horrible. We're all going to hell. Vote for me, thank you. We, we, all, we vote for them because they lied to us. I want to turn this thing around. <laughs> it's going to be better. And because we're made to hear hope, we're made to thrive by hope. And God says, listen, I've got a hope for you that, that can't be defeated That's not built by circumstances. Romans 5, 5 says, hope does not disappoint because God's love is shed abroad in our hearts, poured poured abundantly into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. God wants you to have so much hope. Things are going to get better. You with me? I I, want to come to, you know, by then it'll be my son or grandson at the church. I want to come to the pulpit when I'm 90 years old. And I want to say, this is going to be my best year ever it's awesome things that God's going to do great things. I want to keep living like that. Living on the edge of expectancy. Living, just expecting any moment. Any moment. It was like, uh, um, Pastor Jay, had a, who, who just had the baby? I, no, someone had a baby yesterday. Oh, that was uh, Keith's, Keith's. So uh, David had a baby yesterday, David Hudson, and, and so everyone, when it's labor time, everyone's <laughs> so exciting. and God wants you to live, ah, something's, something's about to be birthed, C- come on, my family's about to be saved, my business blessed, my body healed. Uh, But when I travel around, I, I, I often rebuke people, you, you, you know, in private, but I'll rebuke them for what they say about California. I said, did, did you know that every major cultural and spiritual thing that's happened in America the last hundred years has come out of California? Woo! That California is the womb of this country, and that, that a great revival is going to come out of California again, right here, to the whole country. I pray with great compassion. Listen, I know what it's like. I was so depressed, I wrote a country western album. 12 songs, true story. And I don't like country western music. So apparently you can get so depressed you turn country. No, I don't wanna, wanna, my daughter-in-law loves country music and she's converted my son. So I might have to intervene there. Might have, might have to do something drastic. But my whole point is this that if you're not careful, the wrong music, the wrong thoughts, the wrong feelings, you'll start expecting bad things. What's going to happen next? Come on, that's like I, I'm, I'm on all these social medias. I just, I just, I do it to keep track of my church. How bad they're doing. Oh, geez. I'm going to preach on that Sunday. That's bad. God wants to have so much hope that we're contagious, that we encourage people. Is there anybody that, that um, there, was, there was this guy in David's army, King David. So David's at war with Absalom, some tough things are happening. And, you know, the idea of a marathon was a runner co- coming to tell news of the battle. So a runner's coming to tell David about the battle. David looks out the wall. Jerusalem sees him coming. He says, that's a good man. I know he'll have good news. I pray when people see you coming, they say, that's a good man. I know he's going to have good news. And you don't want to, I'm going to, I, I could tell my wife, she's not here. She'll never know. She was, she was at the store the other day. And she saw someone who was just so negative. And my wife was trying to have a good, uh, quiet day off. So she sees this person and she says, I ducked down and crept away. We don't want to be people that people duck down and creep away from. You with me? We we, we don't want to, we don't want to be people who they had the brace. It, it, it sometimes we have like family members it, t- it takes us th- three days to get ready for them they're coming <sighs> i can handle this i can do all things through christ who strengthens me greater is He. this i mean i can. This is, i'm going to survive this in jesus name we we, we, we don't want to be like that you, you know we want to be the person even the proof that you've overcome is when you can give someone else good news while you're going through bad news. The proof that you've overcome. Your story will tell you. I want to do one thing. Do I have a couple more minutes, Pastor? Okay, well, this is the end, but I want to do something just for fun, kind of a prophetic act of this, because I just declared today depression has to leave this room, hopelessness has to leave, that dreamlessness is over, it's your season, it's your season, the dream again. And that, that God can't wait to show you the things He's prepared for you. He can't wait to show them to you. But here's what I want you to do. In your row where you're sitting, I'd like every other person to stand up. So someone take charge. And so one's standing, one's sitting, one's standing, one's sitting. And you're, if, you're, if you're standing, I knew Mary would figure it out. She she like speaks four languages. She's smart. Um, here's what I'm going to do. I'm deputizing all the standing people to be represent God in this moment. And you're going to turn to the person sitting next to you. And you're going to declare hope and life to them. And you're going to tell them the best is yet to come. You're going to tell them it's their beautiful day. You're going to tell them that healing is here. That things are changing. So, so make sure everyone has somebody so if you if someone 's standing would you, if you wouldn 't mind just at the end of this prayer i 'm going to ask you to gently don 't hurt don 't dislocate their shoulders i'm going to ask you to help you 're going to help them so we 'll say it in closing, and in they would just rise up you 're going to help them stand and when you stand from sitting i 'm believing in this prophetic act that your season's changing, and that god 's doing something important and instructive in for his purpose in the season. So, everyone standing, look at someone and just repeat after me. I declare over you, it's your beautiful day. It's your restoration day. It's your breakthrough day. It's time for you to dream again. Because the best is yet to come. In the mighty name of Jesus, rise up! Now pull him up. Help on. Thank you. Okay. We're going to do better now the second time. Everyone that was standing, you now sit, and the sitters now stand. Just reverse rolls. I, I do, but I, I, uh, I, a couple of things, apologize. I, I have a, a detached retina. And I had one surgery. I have one more surgery. So I I can't really see past the front row, but I can hear you out there. You you hear You sound marvelous today. Um, But this, uh, are you guys a couple? So the, the Lord is with you. The Lord loves you. The Lord has helped you and blessed you. And this is going to be the most satisfying season of your lives. And, sir, you have such a, a great, you have a genuinely sincere heart. And even in business, it guided you. It kept you away from the wrong people and the wrong things. And it just created like this river of momentum. Um, but this is a season when God's restoring your joy. This is a season when God's giving you permission to, to laugh again. And this is a season when God's, I saw, I saw these three houses, when God's going to do miracles in people you love. And, you, and you're hoping and praying for best things, good things to them. God's, God's moving in their lives. Great things will happen. Before, before this year is over, a long-term, I think it's a real estate, a long-term issue is going to be settled in your favor. God, the gavel's coming down. God's ruling for you. God's helping you. Just another, another testimony of God. But God is going to fill your house with so much joy. God is for your lives, your marriage. God is for you in every way. And he just wants you to know that in this season, God's making up for lost time. And I saw, sister, I saw, so I saw you, you, you it was like two, two, two pictures or two different women, but it was you. And I saw so much grief, and then I saw so much joy. And I just want to say, the season of so much grief is over, and the season of so much joy is here. And that's, that's what Jesus does. And... The Lord, the, the Lord sees you as kind of a trophy of what he can do and giving someone a comeback. And your, your life radiates with a, a genuine uniqueness and beauty that, that only comes from going through all the stuff you went through, but yet coming out good. You're going to help people restart their lives. You're going to help people not give up. God broke a curse and even premature death in your family. It's broken through you and gets stopped. And God's going to do amazing things. So everyone that's standing, you're deputized to be our men and women of, of God. So turn around and find someone that's seated next to you. Make sure um, you can have more than one person pray for you too. And I'm going to ask you to do the same things. At the end of the prayer, we're going to, you know, grab them by the hand or, you know, gently help them to their feet would you say these words over this person it's your beautiful day it's your restoration day it's your day to dream again the best is yet to come in your story you're going to do what you've never done go where you've never been and god is restoring the years to you in the mighty name of jesus christ rise up and walk come on pull them up come on that's good good come on everyone praise god lord we celebrate you lord thank you lord thank you god that you breathe upon our hearts and that you heal us and i pray for just if you if you just would close your eyes just for a second where you're standing, we're, we're all done. But if you say there were, there's two people here that have been battling uh, suicidal thoughts, I'd certainly know what that's like. My children and my faith kept me alive uh, 30 years ago when, when death was trying to take me. And But there are two people here today. I just want to say God's, God's going to help you today. And what no one's looking around, I'm just going to ask you to say, Pastor, I've been kind of having that season. Just wave your hand at me. I'm not going to call you for it. I'm just going to say a general prayer. Thank you. Okay, great. So, uh, the hands went up. So, I declare over these precious souls today that God breaks the lie out of their heart. And God, we declare hope to your children. Hope to their hearts. Strength. And God, we declare you give them permission to dream again. I bind the devil, I bind the spirit of death. I come out to leave these children of God. Uh, nextly, if you've been battling, you, you don't have to close your eyes for this, but if you've been battling discouragement, the, the thing about discouragement is the longer you let it stay, the more powerful it, its grip becomes. And what, what began is like, like simple discouragement to be grew into really metastasized into full-blown depression. But if you've been fighting discouragement, high anxiety, or depression, I'd be so, it'd be my great honor to pray for you today as a Lazarus, as a raised from the dead person. And if you would, uh, this is a safe place. This church is a hospital, it's not a museum. We're not here admiring our, each other's perfection. We're here getting better. Je- Dr. Jesus is treating us all. We're, we're, we're under the medicine, medical care. But if you say, Pastor, I, I've had a pretty discouraging or maybe even depression, I've been fighting that, would you just raise your hand and give me a chance to pray for you? Because I'm just going to declare, just just keep it raised. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Just keep it raised wherever you are. I'm going to ask congregation, would you lovingly, if someone has their hand raised around you, would you join your faith to them? And and just keep your hand raised you say, Pastor, that's me. And what we want, um, yeah, there's a, a lovely girl here. Make sure everyone's being prayed for and, and no one's left by themselves in this moment especially. So, church, let's pray together. Father, we pray for our sisters and brothers today. And we speak life and grace and healing and hope in the mighty name of Jesus. You love them. You care about them. You're with them and you're for them. And we just pray that, that the God of hope would fill you with joy and peace and believing and that you would abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. God, let hope be poured in Let sadness and grief and sorrow be replaced. Let your love win the battle for their soul and heal them. I pray for those that have been brokenhearted, God. Jesus, you came to heal the broken heart, the brokenhearted, hurting souls of mankind. We declare that you are doing that in this moment in Jesus' name. Thank you, loving God, for your faithfulness. Thank you, Jesus. Lastly, I'll, I'll, I'll close with this. I do not want to... We've never seen in, in the treatment of mental health, mental illness. We've never seen the numbers we're seeing now. So things are spiking. People are learning to live high anxiety, even depression. It's interesting. So when you study all the, all the segments of society, the, health, the healthiest quadrant of people in America are people who regularly attend church. The, the, the most mentally health, healthy people in America go to church. There is therapy in worship. There's therapy in, in the community. And sometimes... You know, you know. sometimes just keep working on your friends. If you know a friend going through the battle, yeah, yeah it's not about them joining the church. It's about helping them to get better. And there's something about being in the presence of God with other worshiping people that is such a contributing factor to people's mental health. And lastly is this. I don't care what kind of mental infirmities are diagnosed in your family. Jesus Christ can heal them all. He can heal them all. Okay? Don't. Jesus healed me 19 years ago of cancer, CH4 cancer. There's, you know, it's just a name to God. No matter what name they put on, like, we, we, we want to have great faith for people who are suffering with mental infirmities. And not say, oh, oh, that person's schizophrenic or that person's bipolar. Yeah, yeah. So let's believe for healing. The next wave of miracles is going to be healing people who are mentally ill. Just watch. God's going to do great things. Hey, it's been an honor to be with you guys. Thank you very much. God bless you. We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com, and click Give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.